The average person spends roughly 10,000 days of their adult life working. So this is 10,000 Days, a podcast exploring career journeys and the ways that we can apply that time to make a positive impact in the world. The goal of this podcast is to offer you tools, strategies, and inspiration to reflect on your own career. We have an amazing lineup of guests joining us this season that will help you navigate your journey, design the career that you want, and find the courage to make it happen. Welcome to the 10,000 Days Podcast. Greg and I are here with our fourth episode of season two. And on this episode, we are turning our attention to mental wellness, company culture, and that big word, change, which we've all experienced the last few years. Joining us on this episode is Jennifer Spencer, a wellness consultant and co-founder of Pause and Expand. Jennifer gives us an inside look at what some of the most modern companies are doing to help with mental wellness and what the future of company culture can look like. She's worked at several well-known organizations before making a strategic transition to founding Pause and Expand, where she leads live meditation and wellness sessions for both companies and individuals. In this episode, not only do we talk about the benefits of practicing mental wellness, but we also experience a guided sound meditation with Jennifer and we'll welcome you, the listeners, to join along as well. And beyond that experience, we also spoke with Jennifer about facing our fears and embracing change, as well as the importance of relationships and community for careers and for life in general. And a reminder that this season of 10,000 Days is brought to you by To Be Determined. If you are looking for career guidance and support, Day Merrill and her team of career coaches are there to support you no matter where you are in your 10,000 day journey. To learn more, head to tobedetermined.ca. That's the number two, the letter B, determined.ca. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode with Jennifer Spencer. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer, and welcome to the 10,000 Days podcast. Hi, Ian, thanks for having me. One of the things we're trying to achieve with this podcast is to give people that are considering making a big change or a leap to, to give them the tools, strategies, maybe some inspiration to make that leap. And with your new company, Pause and Expand, you're a person that has very recently made that leap. Um, can you start off by telling us a little bit more about Pause and Expand? Yeah, for sure. So we are a live sound and visualization company. Um, so you can kind of liken us to the apps, the comms, the headspace, insight timers that are out there, except everything that we do at Pause and Expand is done live. So we offer a 30 minute live meditation clubs two times a week to our membership community. And then we also work with corporate teams and we do live corporate meditation experiences, which are really designed to help teams take breaks. Um, and interestingly, my background is actually in marketing, but I've always had this real passion for mindfulness and wellness. Um, I worked in the corporate world for about 15 years, probably more than that, actually. Um, but when the pandemic hit, it really, really put things into perspective and made me kind of question um, what my career was and, and how I was spending my time. Mm -hmm. And um, the pandemic was really this aha moment for me that brought mental health to the surface for so many of us. And I saw this real 
intersection between mental well-being and connection. And so it was this real moment for us when we created Pause and Expand and I run the business with my partner about how we can connect with each other in new ways and know that we're not alone in the experience and support our mental well-being in the process. That's great. I mean, and and it's it's interesting to hear the pandemic was, was it a catalyst for you in, in launching this company? Would, would this company have been launched without the pandemic? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, really? I think, I think that, um, I think that there was always a dream that I had to create and bridge these worlds between corporate and mindfulness. But what happened during the pandemic for so many of us brought to light the reality that we all experience mental health challenges. And it kind of gave us all this safe space to be able to talk about it in a more open way. And so we, we were able to build and create this community and get companies on board because we all kind of recognized that there was a moment that we really needed to focus in on this and the days of, you know, putting mental health to the, to the side weren't really an option anymore. Mm-hmm. You mentioned when we spoke uh, before this this conversation, uh, you mentioned that you had a goal to be a marketing executive by thirty five, which which you achieved. Mm-hmm. All the perks that come with it, all the responsibility. But once you got there, you said you weren't you weren't satisfied. It wasn't what you had wanted. Why why was that? So. The truth is I grew up in a family of very high achievers and you may relate to this. Um, You know, people that all worked for other companies, not for themselves. So I'm actually the first entrepreneur Mm. in my family. So status was something in my family that was kind of ingrained in our upbringing. It was always about who you knew and what your career was and what your title was. And I realized that my vision of becoming a marketing executive was truthfully the perception of what I thought I should be versus what I actually wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And so I got this thrill, you know, those moments when you'd be at a networking event and someone would say to you, what do you do for a living? And as soon as I said, oh, I was the v- I'm the VP of marketing at the body shop, people's eyes got bigger. I said, I worked at Holt Renfrew or I worked for a big Canadian tech company. And so I think what's happened is that I had this moment of realizing, what do I really want to be? What, how do I really want to contribute? And the fact, you know, it's written right on your podcast that we spend a third of our lives working. So we should actually be doing something that we love versus something that we think other people want us to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to hear like the topic of nature and nurture, how that's part of our self-discovery um, that came up on on the first episode of the season and how you know it impacts who you are maybe at the start of your career and then how maybe it ebbs and flows a little bit For um, sure. later on as well it's interesting yeah. and and it connects with ambition um, and that ambition is such a powerful element and so it sounds like that's something that has always been with you your entire life what are your thoughts on, on ambition and, and the role that it played in launching Pause and Expand? You know, if you grow up in a home where you're told, you know, you should strive for the best and have the best job and the best career and all of these things, then you kind of grow up with this idea that you are an ambitious, ambitious person. You should be an ambitious person. But the thing that gets in the way of our ambition is fear. And so um, 
I think one of the biggest things that was happening to me in my situation was this concept of I was afraid to take the leap and take the risk to go and run, pause and expand. And when we experience change, we often feel the sense of fear. So when we can face those fears and be really honest with what's coming up, we can actually move through it and, and remember that we, we can do anything we want. We have the potential and the capacity to do anything we want. And so the, the journey to entrepreneurship really brought up a lot of fears in me. Um, all of the things that people experience. Um, for me, it was really about not being financially stable. It was um, not having the same perceived value in the world, not being successful, um, you know, having to sell myself suddenly versus the company that I worked for that I could just hide behind. And so, you know, it was um, really for me, ambition was about like overcoming that fear and remembering that I can actually achieve this, but I have to believe in myself. You, you said perceived value. Do you mean the, the, your own perception of your worth or the perception of uh, externally of, of others? I think both, but I think for me, it was really a, it was an inner dialogue that I was consistently having with myself. And to be honest, I still have it every single day. This part of me that has to remember that even though I'm not, um, that VP of marketing, that you know, I thought I should be, um, the value in, that I'm bringing to the world is actually far greater because I'm aligned with my true purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing, which is connecting people in ways and helping them move through challenges that they're experiencing in their lives and feel safe doing it. One last question about pause and expand before we actually talk about the topic that we want to talk about today, which is mental wellness, self-care. Um, so you talked a little bit about, you know, that transition and the pandemic being a catalyst to launching Pause and Expand. Can you expand a little bit more on that transition? Um, what worked well? What didn't work well? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people ask me the question of, um, did you do it exactly as you had hoped? And the truth of the situation is, I thought at the time that I had a plan, but the reality is, is I didn't really have a plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I run the business with my partner. So there mm -hmm. was definitely support there that I had um, that was a really, really big support, especially financially. But the truth is that it, the the path to starting and running Pause and Expand was really, it's it was very much based on my intuition. And one thing that was very helpful for me during the process was that I transitioned slowly. So I actually had a contract position that um, I had at the same time that Pause and Expand was growing. So I could build my confidence in the product. We could test it and grow it and experiment with companies, um, which definitely helped keep the financial security and keep me feeling that I could maintain my status and my, um, my quality of life. But the truth is, is is that at some point I realized on the entrepreneurial journey, you just have to dive in and just claim that you're an entrepreneur and just do it. And so this week actually we're launching a subscription platform and it's going even deeper into this level of commitment. You know, at the end of the day, looking back, I don't know if I would have done anything different in this transition because I took the time that I needed in order to feel safe and feel secure that 
we had a great product and that we had companies that would be interested in what we were doing and we had a community of people. And um, that would be something I would recommend to everyone is just don't rush because Mm -hmm. you have to feel comfortable in what you're doing. And the more confident you are, the more you'll be able to um, feel good and really live the true purpose of whatever your company is or whatever you're doing. So let's talk about mental wellness and self-care and and mental health in the workplace in in 2022. Firstly, from from your perspective, Jennifer, can you give an overview of how you see the issue of mental health in the workplace and the role of organizations in addressing it? Yeah, it's it's a great question and it's something that I think is continually evolving. Um, You know, I think we're at a place right now where we're very much in the early stages of addressing mental health in the workplace. If you think about it as a baseball game, I think we're still in the first or second inning. We're just just scratching the surface Mm -hmm. of how people are feeling and coping with what's happening. And I think there's a combination of things that are happening in this sort of experience of mental health in the workplace. I think the, the biggest thing is that we've got these new hybrid models and ways of working. We have these pressures that are now looming about recession and big companies that are laying people off. Mm -hmm. But then we also have technology. We have this loss of community um, and we've become this individualistic society where we're all kind of on our own Zoom screen, not together as much as we were. And so all of these factors are kind of coming together at the same time. And something that we often will share with teams and companies is that there's actually a 45 year gap between addressing physical fitness and mental fitness. So in the eighties, um, physical fitness started to become prioritized in North American culture. So there was an onset of gyms like good life in 1980 LA fitness was in, I think 84 gold's gym, um, was like around the eighties as well. So it's not that we didn't work out, before the 80s, but we actually became aware culturally that we needed to put it into practice. So when you Mm. think about mental health, we have not put those practices in place in the same way. In any of the companies or roles that you've been in, if you told your boss that you were going for a quick meditation break versus you're going for a quick workout at the gym, you're probably going to get a different reaction from that person just by virtue of the fact that it's much more normalized to take a lunch break and go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's still this real stigma that needs to be explored in organizations around um, making people feel and know that it's okay to take space just to take space. You don't have to go and work out or you don't have to go and be at a meeting every second of the day that you can actually um, take space to to, to take care of yourself. It's a great point because I think it's being talked about and and in that sense, maybe the stigma is being broken down a little bit. Um, but you're right. I'm not sure if if there's actually tangible work that's being done. Do you think that stigma is starting to be broken down? and and um, is like is that the next step for for real tangible time and resources to be put towards mental health in the workplace? To be honest, I think that the fact that there's this word stigma even attached to it is very very telling. Yeah. We don't see as a society still, we don't see, especially in organizations, that mental health as a birthright, it's a sickness. It's something that has to be fixed. And so 
oftentimes when we do the work we do, we'll often refer to as refer to it as emotional well-being versus mental health because it has this symbolic meaning with when you say mental health that like there's a problem that needs to be treated. So I think that that's where we really need to shift the culture of the way we're all speaking about mental health, especially in organizations. And there's a lot of people, you know, Pause and Expand is one of those companies that is being a part of that change of kind of demystifying what it means to actually take care of yourself. Jennifer, for Pause and Expand, what what would be, say, the profile of a, a typical client? Yeah, so we work with companies. So we've got lots of teams that we work with. We work with Uber. We work with Adobe. Um, we work with CVS, Cigna, a bunch of big, big companies. Um, and then we also work with individuals. So really, it's people that are looking for balance, I would say. People that are really curious, wanting to develop new awareness, find more balance and want to know and remember that they don't have to do it alone. So people that are looking for a sense of community and connection with other people. And oftentimes we'll find that with the teams we work with in companies, um, we do get to develop you know, a deeper sense of connection when you ask someone how they're feeling and the answer is, I feel anxious and I feel burnt out. Um, and then other people are also feeling the same way. There's this interesting shared connection that gets created when there's this honesty and vulnerability. And um, and we find it on the individual side as well is that people are really, really looking for a different level of balance. And um, we're, we're ultimately one of those places that you can come to find that. Do you find so if you take um, one of the big companies, Uber or something, do you do you see a difference in the the level or the type of anxiety from I don't know the CEO down to uh, entry level workers or what's what's the difference? I think the difference is our willingness to say the truth. What I mean by that is the companies we work with, where the CEO is on and also sharing, they have anxiety. Um, doesn't happen very often yet. I think it will eventually, but the places where there's more of a willingness to share that there's something going on and people will type in, you know, when we, when we ask people in the, in the chats often, how are you feeling? Sometimes we'll have to wait a minute before people even say anything because there's a fear, right? There's a fear of showing up at work as a different person than you are in your personal life, but actually we're the same person. So, um, what we're finding is companies that have a culture where they're honest and there's more of this safety, um, there's more of a willingness to say what's really going on and what they're feeling. And um, I think that really starts at the top. So the fact that leaders can show up really shifts the culture in um, making other people that are, you know, coordinators, managers, directors feel safe to actually be honest about what's going on for them too. So honesty, communication, really important elements for a work culture. Um, I, I want to talk about busyness because I think that that's another important element and, and talking about, you know, making space and time for meditation and to pause and expand. Mm -hmm. um, how can someone make that space for a break, especially in a work culture where there is that busyness or, you know, there's a pressure to be busy or at least be seen as busy. Mm. 
So one thing that's very hard for a lot of us to understand and really believe is that we are the most important people in our lives. The number one priority in our lives is actually us, each of us. And so if we were to allow ourselves to actually believe that that's true, then the next step is understanding that self-care actually isn't a luxury. It's something that's required. It's a necessity in our lives. So one of the things that we always suggest, because people will always say to us, well, how many minutes do I have to meditate before? How many minutes do I have to take out of my day? The truth is, is that you probably have to start in small increments. Um, you know, taking space between meetings before you jump into your next Zoom meeting, um, going outside for a walk, taking five minutes to disconnect from your phone. What would that even feel like to disconnect from your phone and turn your Slack off or all of your notifications? Not something that we're used to doing. So I think the biggest thing that companies need to start to do and how we as individuals can start to integrate this more into our lives is normalize that this is okay. It's okay behavior to take five minutes before you start a meeting. What would happen if we, in organizations, before we jumped into the agenda, we actually took five minutes and just sat there with each other like we used to when we would be in a boardroom together. Mm -hmm. um, but all of that is changing because we've, we've entered into this world of let's be as efficient as possible on these Zoom meetings and get off this call as fast as we possibly can so that we can go on and tackle the next thing on our to-do list. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting how the cultures have, um, you know, this pandemic has really brought this world to us of we must always be busy and now the lines are blurred. So there's actually no divide between the time that we're spending working and the time that we're spending in our homes because we're in the same space all hours of the day for a lot of us. Uh, on a on a sort of related topic, my oldest son, who's 16, went away to camp for, for a month, the whole month of July, some leadership adventure camp, and um, couldn't have cell phones, no, not even, no telephones, no email, no, nothing like that. And he came back so energized and just <laughs> wow. like, he said the first couple of days it was difficult because he's, you know, addicted to his cell phone. And I thought, geez, I need to do something like this. Maybe <laughs> not for a month, but maybe a weekend. Well, it's, it's one of the biggest things we say to groups when we get 30 minutes with the team or we're working with our own community is what happens if someone tells you, please take a break. I'm going to give you permission right now, or maybe you just give yourself permission to take a break right now, even for both of you. What would that feel like to have someone just say, please take a break for five minutes? So what, what, like, how do people react when, when that question, because I think we've talked about this on the call is like, when you say, okay, take 30 minutes, people like don't know what to do with themselves or. Yeah. I, the biggest thing and answers that we often get when people ask, when we, when we say to people, what does it feel like if someone says, please go take a break? Well, what do I have to do on the other side? How much longer am I going to have to work to make up for this lost time that I'm now mm. taking a break or anxiety because they're not tackling their to-do list and they feel guilt that they should be doing work when they're actually taking time for themselves. So it's this constant feeling of not doing enough. And a lot of us feel that taking a break isn't doing anything, but actually mm -hmm. it's doing more than any of us could probably imagine. 
but is that part of it becoming a practice or maybe us like it, it's a, maybe it's a process of of getting better at, at taking breaks for sure and i think yeah. one of the things that we keep saying and reminding people is the more space you take so meditation actually feels very uncomfortable if you've never done it before because what's being asked of you is to be present and presence for a lot of us feels uncomfortable because we want to be thinking about the past or the future we're not allowing ourselves to just be here in the present moment and so one of the things that often will be a result of taking breaks is anxiety it actually causes people to feel more anxiety mm. so but the truth is that once you continue to allow yourself to take space it starts to feel good it starts to actually feel uh, like a rewarding experience and the anxiety starts to dissipate mm -hmm. so let's, let's let's do it let's take a couple minutes and do a meditation and sound bath jen can you let us know what a sound bath is before we get into it yeah. So one of the reasons why we use sound in our experiences is it has the ability to very quickly drop us into a relaxed state. So sound baths actually use tones and frequencies. They're instruments, uh, crystal bowls that are actually slowing your brain waves down. So we're taking your brain waves from a very quick firing either alpha or beta state all the way down into the delta or theta state, which is actually the deepest state of rest that your body can get to. Um, most of us don't even get to it when we go to sleep. So what happens when you listen to a sound bath is your body is allowing itself to slow down and you don't really have to do anything except breathe. So I'm going to walk us through a very short experience and I'd love for both of you just to notice what happens to you during the next five minutes when we uh, when we slow down and and anyone listening can also be a part of this experience. So I'm just going to have you close your eyes if possible. And just start to feel your body being supported right now by whatever you're sitting or laying on right now. And starting to just drop your shoulders, noticing if there's any tension that you're holding in your neck or your shoulders. And just starting to connect to the feeling of your breath. So noticing the air as it comes in through your nose and out through your mouth. And there's going to be two voices that likely come into this experience over the next three minutes. There's the voice of your inner critic, which is the voice that is telling you you're not doing this right. I don't like this. I don't feel good. And there's also the voice of your future planner which is the voice that is reminding you of your to-do list and all the things that have to happen after this is over. And so I want you to just imagine those two voices in your head as people just sitting right beside you, wherever you are. And as you listen to the tones for the next two minutes, I'm going to invite you just to bring these voices right here 
and breathe. And allow yourself to just listen to the tones, let them do their job. And remember any time those voices come in, just come right back to the tones. And I'll see you in two minutes.
And just gently taking a breath, just noticing how you're feeling. And whenever you're ready, just coming back. You got to come back, Ian. He wants, <laughs> he wants to here. stay there. <laughs> we're, we're here. We're here. We're, <laughs> we're, we're collecting our thoughts. Um, well, that that could have been two minutes or or twenty minutes. I I just right? got into it. I How long no was that? <laughs> three minutes. That's that it. Three minutes. Okay. Yeah, three minutes. Wow. What did you notice when you gave yourself that space? I, I liked acknowledging the inner critic and the future planner. I mm. I, I really like that because I mean it's part of that mindfulness piece, and and I mean. Those are valid, important thoughts that you should acknowledge, yeah. right? So I really did like that practice of, of acknowledging those thoughts. Um, and I did, they did pop up once or twice and it was like, no, no, that's, you know, the future planner's problem, not mine right now. Yeah. So I thought that was great. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ian. That, that's the biggest issue. I've tried uh, meditation be, before. I'm, I'm fairly inconsistent, but it's always been that future planner who's saying, okay, let, let's, you know, you got to get on to whatever it is, uh, the yeah. first mm. meeting or the, the breakfast or something, yeah. but I felt totally relaxed and it, it really mm -hmm. is powerful. And your voice is very soothing too. And you kind of gave us permission to just sink into it. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel, I felt relaxed and I feel more energized now than I did um, at the beginning uh, yeah. an hour ago. So, so thank you. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, working with companies doing this work because you explain to someone that you're going to take them into a sound bath and they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so you really just have to experience the magic and the beauty of sound is that it does the work for you. You don't actually really have to do that much. So it's really just about giving yourself that time and then letting the experience speak for itself the the next question or maybe the big question then is how do we bring this into company culture how can leaders make this a part of the regular practice within a company yeah when we kind of zoom out and look at a lot of the teams and companies that we've worked with it feels like corporate culture is going through a bit of a identity crisis. So, you know, what is culture in a company anymore? Um, a lot of teams haven't actually met each other before. People are working in different time zones. Um, you know, there's not the ability to connect in the same way that we used to have when we would be in the kitchen talking to each other or have lunch together. Um, we've really moved to this like individualistic world and society. So to me, this experience, experiences in wellness, in having conversations about how people are feeling are opportunities and new ways to help people connect in different ways. So I think that as company cultures continue to evolve, we need to be open to the possibility of new experiences. And oftentimes when we work with companies, you know, they'll ask us, 
what is a sound bath? How can we dedicate these 30 minutes to taking breaks? But it really has to start from the top down. So it has to start from the leadership believing in changing the culture, in bringing more wellness and mindfulness into companies, and also bringing in the scientific benefits of it. There's actual scientific benefits to doing sound baths, to doing meditation. And so for a lot of companies, a part of that justification and allocating budget and putting in the budget line for wellness is really helping people understand that it's going to have a positive effect on the other side and it actually will improve the culture on the other side. So Jennifer, what if you're in a situation in uh, an organization as a young professional, what if you're in a situation where the company really isn't into uh, investing in mental wellness and mental health? Is there anything that uh, you could recommend to young professionals that they could do to, uh, to take care of themselves? So I think one of the things that we're no, we've noticed um, in some of the teams that we work with is even if the company isn't at that point yet where they're willing or wanting to invest in wellness, there are probably people within the organization that are interested in the same thing. And so we're big advocates of community. So this idea that we have to do these experiences by ourselves is not true. We just did a shared experience um, together. And so one of the things that we often will recommend to people is find a group of other people, either in a friend group or in an organization that you already work with, where you can do these practices, have meditation challenges, have wellness or self-care challenges, where you encourage each other to start to adopt some of these benefits. You know, they do that oftentimes at the gym where it's like the 30 day workout challenge, show up for 30 days and you get a prize. It's the same mindset where mm -hmm. we need to start recognizing that we can do this together and um, we don't have to really be in isolation when we do these practices around mindfulness. It's great advice, Jennifer. And, and we've really enjoyed this conversation and we appreciate you sharing your experience, your insights and and the and, and the meditation sound bath experience as well um two last questions before we let you go um first where can people go to find out more about your company pause and expand yeah so our website is uh .com, and uh we do weekly meditations in groups live um through zoom so we, you can join us on either mondays or wednesdays and you can get all that information on our website Awesome. And final question, if you could leave the audience with one piece of advice as they continue building their career, as they continue navigating their 10,000 days, what would that be? I think for me, it's about remembering the importance of making connections. Um, we are meant to be in community with each other and we're really not supposed to do it alone. I remember one of my mentors early in my career told me that I should be spending 20% of my time just meeting new people and making new connections. And I honestly would have never realized 15 years ago how important that piece of advice was because it's actually what's been the foundation of building the company that I'm currently um, growing. So just be open and stay open to meeting new people and being willing to help and knowing that that help will come back to you in some way in return. That's great advice. And I love how you, you've tied that as well within, you know, the meditation practice and what you're saying about building a community and 
and, and you're doing that with, with Pause and Expand. So thank you so much for joining the 10,000 Days podcast. It was so great to have you on. Thanks, Greg and Ian. Thanks again to Jennifer at Pause and Expand for joining us on this episode. And we hope you were able to join us in that sound bath for a couple of minutes. I certainly enjoyed it and, and I'm absolutely going to work meditation into my daily routine going forward. On the next episode, we'll close season two with Henry Gordon Smith, founder and CEO of Agritecture. Henry is a dynamic entrepreneur and the right person to wrap up this season with us as he takes us through his journey to creating Agritecture and growing his career globally. One last reminder to check out tobedetermined.ca. Dave Merrill and her team at To Be Determined are there to support you every step of the way in your career journey. This has been the 10,000 Days Podcast, and we'll see you soon.